Welcome to another episode of Going Back, Back, Back. My name is Brian Gay, and with me here is my co-host, Tom Young. Hey, everybody. Hope you're all having a good night so far. We're about an hour away from NFL returning, so we got a fun-filled show tonight for you. And our story tonight will captivate the week of 9-4, September 4th through September 10th. Um, now, to get our show started, Brian, do you know how good of a w- hitter Wade Boggs is, or was, I should say? I mean, good enough to be a Hall of Famer. That would be accurate. So in his career, he totaled more seasons hitting above 360 than he did hitting below 300. <laughs> he had four seasons above 360 and three seasons below 300. That's crazy. Just shows you how much the game has changed where, like, I mean, what, what were his, I don't know a whole lot about Wade Boggs. I know, I know of him. I think, obviously, the thing a lot of people know about him is the infamous uh, drinking on the plane. Um very much popularized for the new generation by it's always sunny in Philadelphia. But I don't like, and I knew he obviously knew he's, I know he's good. It was great. Hall of Famer, obviously. Um, but don't know a ton about him. So what would other stats look like? If, was he strictly contact? Like, was he a Tony Gwynn type bat on the ball? Was Boggs getting some extra power there? So he had 118 career home runs. So I would say so not no. a power hitter. Uh, 328 career batting average, 415 on base, 443 slugging. And then 858 OPS. Interesting. So there's a, a lot of guys from that time who, like, when you look at them or you see them on the field, you would have thought that they would really put the hurt, hurting on the ball. And the one that I think about in that aspect is Don Mattingly. Um, I feel like I would have thought he would have had a lot more power, but I know his home run numbers are a lot lower than I would have anticipated for, you know, how revered he is of by Yankees fans. And with Wade Boggs, the most home runs he had in one season was 24. That's the only time he, he had one other season above 10 home runs. So, let's see. What year was this? <laughs> Wait, only one other season? He only had two seasons in his career above 10 home runs. Correct. 1987, 29 years old, he pops 24 dingers. And then in 1994, at the age of 36, he hits 11. Those are the two highest home run totals of his career. That's unbelievable. I really would have thought, I would have... Like, if, if you told me he was a 300 home run hitter, I would have been like, oh, yeah, it checks out. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I would have 100% expected that. Um, but I guess I would have probably thought the same about Tony Gwynn not getting to have watched him a bunch. But the amount you put the bat on the ball, you'd think you'd knock him out. Or Pete Rose, the amount of hits he ended up with. Yeah, you fig- figure you'll stumble into an extra home run or two just by accident. Pete Rose had, what, like 4,000 hits? But maybe, I don't think he broke 200 home runs. I'll look that one up in a second. Just one yeah, more thing with, with Wade Boggs. Yeah. Being this much of a contact hitter, you think he would have a lot more stolen bases. How many would you think he had for his career? No, see, that's why I'm confused. So, cause I wouldn't have expected him to be a base dealer because he's just, he's a big third baseman. Like, I would have expected him to be slow and powerful, but I, so career stolen bases. I don't know. Like 200, 24, 200's a lot. Yeah, I don't know why I threw that one number out there. The most stolen bases he had in a single season was three. So, like, what were his RBI? What did his RBI numbers look like then? Most RBIs in a season, 89. Okay. The year he hit 24 home runs. So, like, wait, so then why is this man in the Hall of Fame? Because he hit 328 for his career. That's fair. And 91 career war. He's one of the only Rays. It was a devil ray that is in the Hall of Fame, I believe. There's not a whole lot of them. And his age 40 and 41 seasons played for those Tampa Bay Devil Rays. <laughs> yeah, because he was uh, Red Sox were the majority of his career. Red Sox, then Yankees, then Yankees. 
Okay. Interesting. Stuck throughout the AL East. Played from the age of 24 to 41. Longevity. 18-year career. That'll do it. See, uh, you see that a lot, especially in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You see longevity kind of being what gets them there. Because, I mean, I guess if you get 17 years to be an everyday player in Major League Baseball, you're obviously half decent. But that's a lot of opportunities to rack up some serious stats. And that's what it seems like Baseball Hall of Fame is more predicated to is if you have can have a long career of like 10 plus years you're most likely going to make it to the hall of fame if you're around that like 300 hitter if you do that for five or six seasons you're probably not going to make it into the hall of fame unfortunately no not at all and i mean they do say your best um your best ability is availability so you know that goes a long way so brian coming back to pete rose here he had a total of 160 home runs in his career and 40 what 4200 hits 4,256. Yeah, all right, cool. I only know that because we've talked about that stat on this show before, the 4,200, but that's yeah, a pretty low ratio. You'd think you put the bat on the ball that many times. He had an absurd amount of at-bats. He had 14,053 at-bats in his career. <laughs> and when you, oh, he played, what, 23 years, 24 years? Yeah, he like started in 1963 no and retired in 1986. So what were they doing differently back then that, allowed the longevity it was it just they didn't care to go out and find new talent constantly and they just kind of rode with what they had i don't know like even so granted he only played in 26 games this year but he hit 365 small sample size when he was age 43 i mean yeah it's i just find it fast i mean you still do get those guys i mean verlander's still out there in his 40s i mean we saw i mean miggy's i think miguel cabrera's on the wrong side of 40 now He's if he's not right, at he's, 40, he's right there. We've seen we have seen a lot of those guys. I mean, when we were younger, uh, John John was it John Frank Julio Franco? Yeah, to what like forty seven? Yeah, Jamie you had Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer pitched well into his forties. He had a great run here in Philadelphia. Dude, some of the best years of his career were in his mid forties. And he's a Philadelphia guy too. Oh yeah, local local guy. Yeah, I believe I think he went to Conestoga High School, or his kids do. They went there, but either way, he he's definitely a local guy. That's very cool. Um, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, you never of, know where baseball can take you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I lost my, my train of thought there. Cause there's a million directions you can go if you're still talking baseball, but we talk enough baseball, don't we, Tom? We sure do. So, so let's pivot and talk and, a little football. And tonight is the, uh, obviously if you're listening to this, uh, you're not going to hear it the day of, you'll hear us the morning after. And I can't wait to talk about a weekend slate of football for the first time on the podcast. We have not gotten to do that yet. Um, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, Lions and Chiefs kick off tonight. Personally, I think it's going to be a very fun game to watch. Um, there's The Lions have given people a lot of give a lot of people a lot of problems last year. They might not have won a ton of games, but they sure played people tough. I think if there's a chance for them to catch on to the Chiefs, it's week one. Yeah, you always get that team who wins the Super Bowl, opens up the season. So the Chiefs coming off that Super Bowl victory over those Philadelphia Eagles, what what are they going to do? I mean, Travis Kelsey is out tonight, so that's definitely out. Oh, is, was that officially? Is he officially out? He's been ruled out. And it seems like those teams that win the Super Bowl always kind of start off slow in that first game back. Yeah, and those so, guys weren't playing preseason, so they're not getting the snaps. And granted, it's Patrick Mahomes. But beyond that, this offense, and with especially with Kelsey out, I'm not really all impressed by that offense. No. I mean, you're returning Jarek McKinnon. You lost Juju Smith-Schuster. Marquise Valdez-Scantling will be back. number one receiver. Sky Moore, hopefully, can take a leap for them in year two. Yeah, former Rasheed, second-round pick. Rasheed Rice gets some 
It gets in the conversation there. Justin Ross, I think, is their other young receiver that they've brought in. Yeah, Kadarius Toney is also there if he can. He's always hurt, though. Yeah, if he can get healthy, he's an interesting little gadget piece. Isaiah Pacheco, I mean, Pacheco. Runs hard. um, but Seventh rounder out of Rutgers. That was a great value pick by them. Yeah, very much so. Um, Yeah, runs hard. Uh, It could be interesting to see how well he pans out long term, or at least, you know, through this year he really had a few really good games last even not, not even huge numbers but had a few solid games and he does run hard um so that's always going to be interesting and just kind of to touch on the point that the team starts slow last year the rams faced your buffalo bills brian and got one. absolutely mollywopped. yeah 31 to 10 bills win to start the yeah, season and then the bills went on to beat tennessee the next week like 40 something to seven and we're like oh this is the year it's gonna happen. Yeah, dude. And then, maybe it'll happen this year for you, Brian. No, I think you know. I think I credit part of my, I credit this upcoming thought to the fact that I've become a pretty big Phillies fan in my seven plus years down here now, and that's just realizing that the early part of the season really doesn't matter all that much. Your team loses a couple of games early on, not a big deal. Now in football, you lose four, you lose four in a row to start. Good luck. Yeah, you're in trouble since but, seventeen games now. Yeah, so With baseball different story. Yes, but like you can lose a couple of games here and there. You know, no teams don't go seventeen and zero. Um, you know, just take it, take it in stride because it's really how they they hit their stride, and if they do it at the right time, that really depend dictates where your team ends up. So, um, yeah, again though the Chiefs, their defense doesn't really. I don't find them to be that intimidating. I I don't know. I I think he's one of those situations where as long as Mahomes is there. And Kelsey's available. They're yeah, going to be a great a duo. They're always going to be good. The way I feel that as long as Josh Allen has the ball in his hands, we have a chance in Buffalo. So I get that. And I mean, Mahomes is definitely a better quarterback. I love Josh Allen, but Mahomes is the better quarterback. Um, smart, he makes smarter plays. Um, but I will ride or die, obviously, with Josh. But otherwise, like the Chiefs don't really scare me. They just they have the best that they're that two of the guys that are the best at their position at. Two pretty good, pretty critical positions. And the one person we haven't talked about is Andy Reid, who's probably at this point the best coach in the NFL. Yeah, I think he's definitely earned that that title at this point, which is funny because Eagles fans couldn't were so ready for him to get out of here. But I think it was just a matter of just needing some too new, much for too long. Yeah, needed some another voice in the locker room there. Now this is going to be interesting to me is how much of an influence did Eric Bieniemy have in this offense? Because there was a lot of that like. The enemy can't stand up on his own without Andy Reid. And I think we'll see that tonight is how's that going to trans- translate without him? Will it make a difference? Was it really Andy Reid propping up this offense and their place, their play calling and their scheming? Cause the chiefs probably have the niftiest playbook in the NFL in terms of gadget plays, trick plays, stuff like that. Um, so I guess we'll find out the lions also have some interesting pieces would be more interesting if Jameson Williams wasn't suspended for being an idiot and gambling in the locker room. Um, but Amon St. Brown. Yeah, he's a stud. Yeah, obviously very exciting. Third year in the league. He, I think he takes another step oh, yeah. forward here. Yeah. Jared Goff is not really as bad as people give him, uh, give him the flag for, but I think it's just because it comes with that first overall pick stigma. Um, he's he's shown that he can sling it out. Him and, I mean, you go back to the – it was 54-51 Chiefs-Rams game a few years back. Where the two of them just gunned it out. Um, I mean, he can sling the ball. I think that was a Monday night game, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember I watching so. that. It was like, like Monday night. night. It was like the one of the ones in like Mexico City or something along those lines. And um, So, like, Goff can sling the ball. And I think 
They're going to make some. They're going to keep it interesting tonight. Who do you think is going to win? I think the Chiefs. My gut says the Chiefs, but like I really want to say the Lions just because I just feel like the Chiefs are like their Chiefs are more vulnerable now than they have been in years, and I think that the Lions are the perfect team to jump on it and make a statement. I would agree. I don't want to say it's a letdown spot for the Chiefs where they're going to like look past the Lions. There's a lot of hype about the Lions this year. They bring in Jamar Gibbs from Alabama to go in the backfield along with David Montgomery coming over from the Bears. Yeah, that one-two punch could be very interesting, especially if Montgomery stays healthy. Right, and Amon Ross, St. Brown. You get Marvin Jones on the outside with him. Jameson Williams comes back eventually. And the guys really seem to have bought into what Dan Campbell is saying out there for them. Yeah, he makes you want to run through a brick wall. I would probably do it for him. So yeah, me too. I think the Lions certainly could pull off the upset tonight. It, the Lions dropped about like two and a half points since the Travis Kelsey news came Kelsey. out. Well, the thing is, he's really a game breaker for them in the middle, so it makes sense. But so I, I could definitely see the Lions pulling off the W tonight, coming off that Super Bowl win for the Chiefs too. You're kind of like all, you know, the Super Bowl is great, like. Yeah, they're yeah, they're gonna do an, They're probably gonna do something. Yeah, some ceremony before the game, yeah. banner raised, rings or whatever else they might get. So you're kind of like all caught up in that moment. Take the lines in the first half. Maybe that could be a good play because of the Chiefs are still thinking about how this shiny ring on my finger. Yeah, right. And then I think the under might be a good play too. I don't, it could be a shootout, but fifty. I think last I saw was like fifty three and a half. That's a lot of points yeah, in the game. I, I don't. I'm not sure. I think I thought I heard yeah, somewhere fifty three, fifty four rain on the radio earlier. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. I'm looking forward to an exciting, um, exciting season of football. I think there's just gonna be a lot of. It's always good at. There's always fun action in the NFL season. There's never a, never a boring season. So, I know we say it all the time with baseball. You never know what will happen when you go down to a game. But that's a brand new thing about a, a great thing about a brand new season is you never know who might take that step forward or yeah. who might falter and come back down to earth. Yeah, well, you and I are both pretty. Uh, pretty unabashed about our love for the game of baseball but I, let me tell you i nothing gets me riled up like a good football game the the roar going especially being live going the roar of the crowd big plays happening big hits and like just those you know five ten seconds of big action happening on the field and there's just something about it that each game means a little bit more you know there's 17 instead of 80 or 160 and it's just uh i'm very excited for it and speaking of which um, you know, I think it's a good time to uh, take a break. Hear a word from our sponsors. Then we come back. We're going to hit you with our our picks. I think we're going to start off with our MVP, offensive, defensive players of the year, and our rookies on both sides of the ball. Talk to you about some fun sports history facts, and then come back to you with our Super Bowl picks. Maybe some fantasy talk, MVP, all that good stuff. Right, we come back in just a minute. This episode of Going Back, Back, Back is brought to you by Rucci Heating and Cooling, LLC, located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. For all of your heating, air conditioning, and plumbing needs, call the professionals today at 484-849-1015. Rucci Heating and Cooling, LLC, the one-stop call for your business and or home. Call them again at 484-849-1015. Welcome back from our quick break there, and just a shout out to... Ken Rucci heating and air conditioning here. They have been purchasing our beers for us. So we definitely want to say thank you for that. But if you do happen to use any of their services and you do mention the going back, back, back pod, you will receive 10% off your purchase from them. So shout out to Rucci heating and air conditioning. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't need it yet, but 
if you are in the southeast Pennsylvania area, give them a shout. They uh, will come in, take care of your, your needs, maybe bring you a cold beer while they're at it. And speaking of the beer we got tonight, we're drinking something from Victory. The Road to Victory, IPA made by them, Victory Brewing Company out here in Downingtown, PA. What are your thoughts on this one, Brian? I like it. Just simple. Just simple, solid IPA. Kind of a nice little sweetness to it, but... Yeah, not over the top, not too no, heavy. Nothing that's going to like make Just that. right. Something so. that would be great for a tailgate. Yeah, for sure. And crush them on the road to victory. Cool can, too. The Eagles Kelly Green, the hop wearing the uh, throwback Kelly Green helmet. It's pretty cool. That's what led me to it. And then you got, like, the yeah. turnpike sign, like, with the ABV on it. Man, if I wasn't, I, really, if I wasn't such a big-time diehard Bills fan, I would have become an Eagles fan many years ago. Well, there's still time, Brian. No, there never is. There never will be. They can be a solid number two. I will not root against them until they play the Bills, which is happening Thanksgiving weekend. But that's a whole other story. That game's in Philly, I think. Yeah, it is. I thought about. I thought I'm still thinking about going. My parents, my family might be here that weekend though, and I'm not trying to get all them do all that with everybody. Well, maybe we can record an episode down there. (laughs) Yeah, live from the parking lot, my Josh Allen jersey. I'm going to leave. We'll put a uh, big jacket on you for for that that part of the episode. No, nah, see, that's not that's my promise. If I'm going down there, I'm I'm going all out. I'm going full Bills. I'm not hiding my fandom, but I'm not willing to jaw back and forth all day. That'll make for good good content on the podcast. It definitely would. So talking football, uh, like we said before the break, we went through and we were talking. Well, we didn't talk about it yet. That's what we're here to do. Our picks for the year from the Super Bowl winners down to MVP. Offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. And I'm curious to see where we go with this. Um, a lot of fun talent, obviously, in the league. Um, I think we're going to start with the player of the year awards, both the offensive OPOY, DPOY, and the rookies, the OROY, DROY. And I'm just interested to see if we agree or disagree, what your thoughts are, where we're at. You want to start us off, Brian? You want me to get it underway? A fire away, Tom. All right. So you want to start with offensive player of the year we did there? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm going to take Jamar Chase, wide receiver of the Cincinnati Bengals. Why? Great question. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm just messing. So 2021, his rookie year, um, obviously has that connection with Joe Burrow coming out of LSU, plays in all 17 games, catches 81 balls of 128 targets, puts up 1,450 Five yards, catches 13 touchdowns. Um, unfortunately, did miss a few games last year due to injury, but I think this is the year that he really does take off and becomes the number one wide receiver in the league, surpassing Justin Jefferson. Interesting. Because my pick, and I know he won last year, so I feel like he's like the easy pick, is Justin Jefferson. And the thing is, there's I haven't there's he hasn't given us any reason to not assume that he's gonna have another amazing year. The uh, the only thing I think the only thing that maybe works again what works both ways in his favor and against him is that he's the only weapon in that offense now. Hawkinson maybe can be argued as a I mean he obviously he's getting drafted high in fantasy higher in fantasy drafts he's one of the more yeah, and he got paid a very nice contract he got paid a um, market resetting contract for tight ends what do you get like four years seventy two million yeah, I think like seventy two or eighty million or something like ridiculous. Um, but I think Justin Jefferson being the number one target in that offense and just being as good as he is, um, with his ball skills, his route running, his hands, I think it's it's just hard pressed to, even if Minnesota might not be a great team this year, I think we're going to see major regression out of them as a whole. 
Yeah, no Dalvin Cook either. Yeah, and well, and it's because they won an absurd amount of their one score games last year. That, a lot of comeback and, victories too. Oh yeah, dude! Like they had a really pathetic one against the Bills, and I say pathetic on behalf of the Bills because they were crushing them at the half, and then just a, a cacophony of awful mistakes. Maybe the catch of the year by Jefferson last year on that yeah, fourth down again. Play I think it was an overrated catch, and not because he did. It was he, it was a great catch, but if Cam Lewis didn't try to intercept that ball, Justin Jefferson would have not have had a chance to bring that in. He used. Lewis has forced against him and brought it in, but that's what makes him the best is making plays like that. And that's part of the reason I think he's going to be offensive player of the year. Now on the defensive side of the ball, I am going into the AFC East with this. Um, and I'm going defensive back sauce Gardner. I just think that he was unbelievable last year. He won defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, so I'm taking it feels like maybe some of the easier picks, but I just think they're good. I just get, it's a good pick. Um, Sauce Gardner is somebody who I think everyone had their eyes on coming out of college. Um, there just seemed to be something different about him. And I have, I you know, I have I like a long, lanky DB who can stay with receivers. Yeah, he's 6'3". I didn't yeah, realize he was no, that tall. There's, and you don't see that a lot in defensive backs. Um, I just think he's very good on the ball. He's so sticky. He sticks with his, he sticks with his man so well. He's very smart. He makes plays. I think he's going to be a big contributor on that defense. It helps that he has a defensive line that's going to be able to pin their ears back a little bit and try to get after the quarterback. Um, I don't love that he's in our division, but I think he's a phenomenal player, so I'm going to Sauce Gardner. If I wasn't leaning towards this other guy, I wouldn't really have any arguments, but I'm going to take, which probably isn't a popular opinion around here for (laughs) Eagles fans, I'm going to take Micah Parsons from the Cowboys. Very valid pick. He was Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2021, finished eighth in MVP voting last year, was the second guy in Defensive Player of the Year last year, um, has averaged, let's just say, 13 sacks each year so far, racks up a lot of tackles, is the, you could say, heart and soul of that defense down there for the Cowboys. So I feel like it's just a matter of time now before he does take a Defensive Player of the Year Yeah, that hardware home. I also think it's a matter of time if he doesn't sign an extension that he will be roaming the middle of the field for the Eagles. Yeah, he is a Harrisburg, Pennsylvania guy and went to college here in Penn State. And he also... Big-time Sixers fan. At one point there was a reaction out there of him. I don't remember if it was watching the Eagles draft or what it was, and he was like, man, like I want those guys on my team. Yeah, I want to be part him? of that. No, I don't blame him at all. I think Micah Parsons is absolutely absolutely a great pick. Total game, total game changer. He's he's a uh, he'll break your break your offense. You you have to game plan for him specifically. Yeah, you got to throw an extra tight end on the field and yeah. make sure you chip chip block. Yeah, he can put his hand down and get after the quarterback as an edge rusher. He can cover. He can play from a stand. He can play as a standing roaming linebacker. He can cover sideline to sideline. Does it all. He's a freak. Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal pick. I'm actually, I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't. You know, Sounds that. like you're a little jealous over there. Brian. I'm not because I think I still made a great pick, but Micah Parsons is a very good pick for that. Um, offensive rookie of the year, Tom. Who are you thinking? Well, everybody would probably say Bijan Robinson, right? No. Yeah, I don't know where his name comes from either, but I'm going to go a little bit against the grain. Going to take Jordan Addison, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, being drafted out of USC. University of Southern California, not to be confused with the University of South Carolina. But with Jordan Addison, he now becomes the number two wide receiver on that team behind Justin Jefferson. If Jefferson is demanding a lot of double teams this year, which he definitely will, he most likely should and will. 
TJ Hawkinson up the middle should have a lot of open space. And then that leaves Jordan Addison some room as well. Dalvin Cook is no longer on the Vikings. So there are a lot of targets to go around for the for Kirk Cousins to pass pass the ball around. So why not go to a first round pick wide receiver in Jordan Addison? You don't draft someone in the first round to have him sit on the bench. You're gonna hope to feed him the ball and have him showcase that talent that made him that first round pick. Yeah, and he went in that run of uh, it was like four or five straight. It was yeah, because also in that was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Seahawks uh, to the Seahawks, Quentin um, Johnson to the Chargers, Zay Flowers, Zay to, the Flowers to the Ravens. Yeah, because the big, a big conversation in Bills fandom circles was what wide receiver are they going to take where they were at at twenty six or and then that run happened right before it. Um, but I think of all those those receivers, I think Addison probably comes into the best situation for the most production early on. I think that Johnson is probably in the best position with herbert throwing him the ball out there in um la my only like concern with johnson is he's behind keenan allen and well, mike williams well, that's Granted, exa- yeah that. can stay healthy oh yeah that's exactly what i was getting at actually was that that's why i think the situation is better for addison because he comes in as immediately the number two as long as he doesn't royally botch that whereas johnson comes in he's there's no way he's cracking the top two but he can easily be a third but does he fit in that lineup as like a? Sl- I don't know enough about him. I, he strikes like me as more of a play, big like, play, deep threat, yeah, and like a sure. slot guy, number three, really. So I'm curious to see how he fits in that offense. But he's a big armed quarterback, so maybe they just think try to spread the field and Keenan Allen are on those short in routes and stuff like that because that's really what he thrives on. Is he's more of a possession receiver? I feel like yeah, Keenan for sure. But Mike Williams and Quentin Johnson are kind of the same thing if you think about it. Like Mike Williams is kind of big, big body, play, big play, go downfield, throw it up, and catch it. Yeah, but Mike Williams definitely gets catches the injury bug more than Keenan Allen, so maybe that's where Quentin Johnson can slide in and be that wide receiver too for the Chargers. Yeah, and with Kellen Moore down there in San Diego now, you know they're going to sling it a little bit more than what they have been doing in the past and really unlock Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think the Chargers are going to be interesting. I actually went with Herbert in a couple of my fantasy football leagues. That makes two of us. Yeah, I have. I'm in four leagues, not exactly by choice. Um, and I am riding with Herbert in two of those. Yeah, I have Herbert in two of my three leagues. I pulled a homer pick and went Josh Allen in the one league pretty early just because I – Yeah, fun. you can't not have him. It's, it's fun to have. And honestly, dude, he's the, the him, Mahomes, or possibly Jalen this year could be our game changers. If you have a quarterback that can score 40 or 50 points, that's a game changer. So um, Get to most likely an easy W in fantasy. Yeah. Then I got Danny Dimes as my – my quarterback in my <laughs> That's a sleeper pick there. Cause it was a late rushes, round pick. He's, he rushes a lot. He can get you a touchdown on the feet and then like 50-plus yards. Yeah, he's dude. very underrated for that. And then they added in Darren Waller to the offense up there in New York. Yeah, he's Josh Allen light. Yeah, that's a good yeah, dude. Good comparison. Yeah, Josh Allen's a good full-bodied uh, full bodied Miller. Highlight, or Coors, Coors Banquet. So who do you got then for <laughs> offensive rookie of the year, Brian? So my, so my pick for that... Um, so you mentioned one running back in Bijan. I do think he's obviously going to be the very popular pick across the board uh, by most people. I, I'm going with the other running back that won the first round with Jameer Gibbs. I think he has a good opportunity to get a lot of carries. The lions actually have a pretty good offensive line. Um, so he's going to get the ball quite a bit. Montgomery obviously can be a factor into playing into that. I just don't know how much I trust him to, you know, I think, I think I might see Montgomery 
tonight will be a, a good in, uh, interesting for this one specifically because I think we'll see a lot of Montgomery early and at least in the first few games and as Gibbs gets kind of up to speed with all of it but I think he's got a good build I think he's a good talent for the league um and I think he fits what they're trying to do there very well that hard nose style I think he's going to be a very very good for them and I think he could surprise some people I'd love to see him pull off an offensive rookie of the year I just think it'd be fun to see and kind of go against the grain with uh, a different, the other the other first round running back. So I snagged Jameer Gibbs in one of my fantasy leagues and I actually got a notification earlier saying that they're looking to use him in like the passing game and use him as like a deep threat almost. So <laughs> so that is not what I would have anticipated. I wouldn't have either, but I feel like to your point with offensive rookie of the year, he's going to have a lot of opportunities in Detroit, especially yeah. with Jameson Williams out for six games. Oh yeah. So that potential for him to kind of pad the stats early and then kind of i don't want to say coast to the finish line for yeah. the end of the season but at least get, pad his stats so it looks better come end of the year than it might really be because he did so well to start yeah and i think i mean i'm i picked him because i think there is potential there but i just think it you know i kind of went off the beaten path a little bit i just don't trust any of the offensive like the earlier on receivers too too much addison is in a good spot like with your pick um Obviously, there's, you know, Dalton Kincaid went to my, my boys in Buffalo, but first-year tight ends are historically not very good. Uh, I mean, not good enough to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, so, you know, I think there's there's a couple options, but I think anywhere, any kind of Gibbs, Bijan, or Addison are not bad choices. Um, I don't, it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be any of the quarterbacks unless one of them really surprises people. And, like, takes a team to the postseason potentially. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I think if there's one of them that might – it's Anthony Richardson because of the. I mean, it's the athlete, he's got athleticism that the other two don't, and it's a weaker division. Yeah, the so there's Jaguars. a chance for him to shine. Jaguars are good. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Doug Peterson really building up a great culture down there. Rabel has a great culture in Tennessee with Tannehill. It's a on it's, the other side of the division though. on the the up and up. So I mean, who knows? They might have something in Levis that I don't know. I don't. It sounds like he's not a whole lot at the moment, but who knows? You know, they could have something or they may have a few more shots down the road. They'll at least have trade chips, if, if nothing else, between him and Willis that somebody might want to take a shot at their upside. So who yeah, knows? Take a risk on it. That's down the road. But So then that leads us to defensive rookie defensive of the year. Defensive rookie of the year. Now, this is the only one we agreed on, Brian. It is, but I think it's well warranted. I think, I think it's well warranted, and I'm wondering if part of this is just a local bias, but I we both listen to quite a bit of sports talk radio in our commutes and stuff, and we're hearing a lot of like really really high praise for this guy, Baby Rhino. Uh, yeah, the nickname Baby Rhino, and just like when Lane Johnson, the best, the arguably the best tackle in football, offensive lineman in all of football, not just us right tackle, comes out. So this kid is imp- ridiculously hard to block. It, that that says a lot. Yeah, especially as a rookie. So the man we're speaking of. Um, sounds like he might have some character issues. There's a reason he dropped to number nine, so I'm curious to see how he fits in, but there's a lot of really great leadership in this locker room. If there was ever a team for Jalen Carter to go to with those off-the-field issues, not being biased that I am an Eagles fan, but I feel like because of the veteran presence of Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, all there, and guys who are in the trenches have been in the trenches, especially in that facility there down in, in Philadelphia. Nova Care Complex. Yeah. Playing at the link every Sunday. It's great. I don't know if there could have been a better situation for Jalen Carter to land in and potentially 
reach his potential and yeah. fix those off the field issues so they don't become a problem. I think he either needed uh, so yeah. So as Tom said, we both did pick Jalen Carter. Um, defensive lineman. I, it's hard to call him an edge or a tackle. I feel like he's more of a tackle just based on size. But Jalen Carter, he got the nickname Baby Rhino. There's been incredibly high praise from Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, James Bradbury. Yeah, They're all specifically like some great stuff. Yeah, about Darius Slay as well. They've all made a point of mentioning him specifically um, as just being a, a real freak in nature. I think he needed to go somewhere where there was either veteran presence on the team or um, a veteran, you know, grizzled coach who understands how to handle players because it sounds like he's just sounds, sounds like he's an interesting character and i mean that i don't mean that in any one way or another because i don't know the guy or enough about him but there sounds like there's there's some people that really vouch for him and his character and then there's some people that won't even like there uh, there was reports that the staff at georgia wouldn't even but like would not speak on him so uh, some of them and so it's it's interesting you know you gotta take everything with a grain of salt so i i'm not making any judgments i know he's had some legal issues, but I think what he brings on the field and if he shows that he's committed and you know, we are, we're, he's young and made some mistakes like we all do. Um, I think that the sky's the limit. The kid, he was a projected number one pick for a reason early on. So, yeah, and he, from everything here down at training camp is that he easy, very well, easily could have been that first overall pick because of the talent is so great. Granted, those types of players don't go first overall that often just because everybody wants a quarterback. It's a quarterback-driven league now. Yeah. But when you're that great of a talent, it's like, and you fall to the Eagles at nine, what makes you not excited about it? Because they did lose Javon Hargrave to the San Francisco 49ers. Fletcher Cox is definitely on the wrong side of 30 at this point. Yeah. More of a role player than every down guy. So you pair him up with hopefully Jordan Davis oh, yeah. can be great. He another former first round pick out of Georgia. Yeah. Could more or less call it the Philadelphia Bulldogs or Georgia, <laughs> Georgia North. Georgia North, whatever your preference is. Yeah. I think Kobe it, Dean roaming the middle. I think scheme wise and like talent wise, he's a perfect fit for this defense and for the line. He's a perfect natural replacement for Fletcher Cox because Fletcher was a big dominant presence who although plays a tack a defensive tackle was very good at uh, penetrating through the line um getting to the quarterback i think you're gonna see that with jalen carter i think i'm curious to see again if there if there are true character issues or if they're blown up by the by the media and people out there probably a little bit of both i do is my guess a little bit of a sidebar but did you have you seen the untold documentary series on netflix any of it Untold. So it's all like sports stories, and they're definitely some of them. If you are, if you're here listening to our podcast because you love the sports history um, side of it, I'm here for that. That's why we started this. Is we both love sports history. Um, this is diving into untold stories from the world of sports. Um, there's the Johnny Manziel one. There's the Florida Gators. But the one that I watched was about the Malice at the Palace, the brawl with uh, the Pistons. Yeah, I've seen that one. It was eye-opening to watch that at how the media and the NBA twisted the narrative on that to make the Pacers guys look bad. Yeah, like just total thugs. Meanwhile, like they truly were defending themselves in that and all that. Granted, they didn't like this going in the stands is not a good idea, this and that. But they were like they were found criminally um in it they were found innocent of any wrongdoing that they were just defending themselves and Yeah, I mean when you're laying there still on the scores yeah. table and someone like launches a beer at you it was it was eye-opening i thousand percent recommend it to everybody not um, a great idea like you said brian to run into the stands and try to then fight that person no, but, but ron like, artest is kind of a crazy dude 
Yeah, when you change your name several times and you land on Metal World Peace, like he actually, so he actually touches on that in the documentary. I find it interesting. It's interesting to listen to him, to him talk because he's definitely odd. Yeah, like he, there's a little awkward. He definitely doesn't. There's he beat marches. We always knew this. He marches to the beat of his own drum. But I a thousand percent recommend watching that documentary. Um, tons of insight from him, Stephen Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal. So the three big ones in that. But also Reggie Miller is very prominent in it, and he retired yeah, after like that the season end of his career because that team they scored to him was the greatest team he's ever played on. And but when they all got suspended, there that. was that, yeah, that was it. They were like he thought they were going to win the championship. They were saying Jermaine O'Neal was on a trajectory to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time, which is so crazy. I guess we were too young because I never saw him in that light. Right. It was um, what, 02 or This was 04, I believe. 04. Um, but I digress. Great great watch. The Untold uh, Netflix documentary series on uh, Untold documentary series on Netflix. Um, I plan to watch more of them. I've watched the Balco one and then uh, so the steroid uh, controversy and then I watched this one, but there's a ton of other good ones out there. So very cool. I could I'll digress. We can touch on those stories another day. Um, but we're here for one reason, one reason only, right, Tom? And that's sports history. Sure are. Sports history. So, of course, we got some great fa- fun facts from this week in sports history. I think, you know, I'll just lead it off since I, I'm leading us into it. Yeah, have at it. See what you got. I'm going to start us off. Um, the oldest fact of mine is going to be back on September 5th, 1960. A young man by the name of Cassius Clay uh, beat the three-time European champion, Zbigniew Petrzowski, Petrzowski, Petrowski. Sure, that's probably that's probably it. It's the those Polish names have all those extra letters. Zbigniew Petrowski of Poland by unanimous points decision to win Olympic light heavyweight boxing gold medal at the Rome Games at the time. Obviously, Cassius Clay um, changed his name to Muhammad Ali and went on to become the greatest boxer of all time. I just find it very cool that he started off. Um, one of his early feats was winning a gold medal um, against a three-time European champion. Boxing has long been a big thing over there. Um, so to see a young man go over and, and win that before he was what he's become known to be um, as a relative unknown, I just find that very cool. Cassius Clay, I mean, would you prefer Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay? What, the name? Yeah. So I think Cassius Clay is a great name. I think so, He too. went Muhammad Ali for... Um, was it like religious, religious purposes and i believe it was something to do with um like going against objecting the to the draft the war yeah. in the draft yes um he's a he's a story all in himself that would be very very fun to talk about because yeah, we spend hours there. on him yeah so I'll, I'll uh go back a little bit further i'll go back to september 5th september 5th 1901 the national association of professional baseball leagues better known as minor league baseball, as we know it today, was formed in a hotel in the Windy City, a.k.a. Chicago. Beautiful city, and shout out to the NAPBL because I love minor league sports, and I'm not sure that um, sports as we know it, specifically baseball, would be what it is without uh, the robust minor league system that they have. Because you have, you just start at the top, you go triple A, double A, single A, there's high A, low A, and then there's like rookie ball, Short, like yeah, there's Florida short season, league, there's long season, short league, Arizona, Arizona Fall League, and there's so many levels to minor league baseball. Growing up, Brian, that was the one thing I wanted to do was like be a professional baseball oh, player. Dude, me too. I wanted to go to the University of Texas to play baseball and then horns. go to the major leagues. Obviously, that, that was the goal. Yeah, dude. Obviously, didn't make it, but that I mean, 
just to say you made it to minor league baseball, like obviously the goal was major leagues, but even if you got to minor league baseball, just to like live out that dream of playing it would be pretty professional baseball. Yeah. Pretty I'm pretty envious of the guys that I played played with and against back in the day that have gone on to it, even the minors. Yeah, um someone from my high school they made it to double A. That's the furthest furthest I know. Yeah, no one from my high school nobody that I played with directly, but I played against a handful of guys who um number one being Cito Culver, first round pick for the Yankees back in twenty eleven. Um unfortunately never panned out. I was really hoping the best for him. He was a really cool dude. Played against him in baseball and basketball quite a few times growing up. Um, then there was a few other guys from the area that that got drafted and spent a few years in the minors. Um, just really cool, kind of kind of envious of that. My cousin actually, my cousin Jared didn't play in the major league minor league, uh, the majors, MLB minors, but he did play some, some independ- independent independent ball. league ball that looked like a lot of fun as well. So hey, shout out Jared and the uh, Santa Fe Fuego in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, but yeah, big fan, love it, and uh, baseball wouldn't be the same without it. All right, next one on my list is also going to be September 5th, 1994. A wide receiver by the name of Jerry Rice for the San Francisco 49ers caught two touchdown passes and ran for another score in the 49ers 44-14 route of the Oakland Raiders. They actually, I believe, were the Los Angeles Raiders at the time. Uh, This put him ahead of Jim Brown as the NFL's career touchdown leader with 127 total touchdowns. He went on to finish with 197 total touchdowns. (laughs) That's nuts. Because he played until what, like 2002, 2003? He played until 2004. 2004. Because I know he entered his career as a Seahawk. Yep, he was with Oakland that year, and then I'm guessing he got traded at the deadline or maybe cut potentially. Was he a Bronco or am I going nuts? No, he did not play with okay. the Broncos. Um, it was San Fran, Oakland. Oakland. I remember thinking of the blue of Seattle. And then the Seahawks. All right, cool. Yeah, he's another one. Like, I kind of wish that we were older for a lot of those Age years. He's 42. Played yeah. until he was 42 years old. Played six games with the... Uh, Oakland Raiders that year in 04 and then 11 games with the Seahawks. Wow. So he played a whole se- he played the whole season. He did. He um he's such a cool story too. I mean, he was a Mississippi Valley State prod, uh HBCU product, which I feel like you don't see a ton of those guys cracking the league. Um and then to go on to become I think he's still considered the greatest receiver in fo- the history of football. I wouldn't argue anything besides him. Yeah. I mean, so I mean there's I might, you know, I might make an argument for a couple other guys to at least be yeah, on that same pedestal. Have a discussion, but the Randy Mosses and Calvin Johnsons of the league, the world. But Calvin Johnson didn't have the longevity to really match up stat wise. So yeah, I don't think I could put anyone in front of Jerry Rice. Though. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd throw Randy Moss in the ring just for fun. All right, Tom, what do you got for us? Um, real quick, Jerry Rice, twenty-two touchdowns, most in his career for one season, and one hundred twenty-two catches was the most in one season as well. Yeah, you know who had more touchdowns than the season. Who that? Randy Moss? Yes, sir. Twenty three. Unfortunately, it was with the Patriots, but I think if there is any receiver that you can kind of throw in that conversation, in my opinion, it would be Moss. Maybe statistically they don't match up at all, but Randy Moss is just a different breed. Right. Let's see. So Rice had fifteen hundred receptions. We'll just round up here: twenty three thousand yards, one hundred ninety seven touchdowns. I don't think Randy Moss is near. Randy Moss finished 156 touchdowns. Yeah, I would say. 15,292 yards, 982 receptions. So, so no. Ways away. 7,000 yards. He also probably played 600. Six less seasons than Jerry Rice did. Yeah, so Rice or Moss played from 98 to 2010. So, total of 12 years. Yeah. Jerry played 16 years. Sorry. 
Yeah, I was right. No, you were right. 98 to 10 is 12 years. We played 2010 with three different teams, and then I, I was going to say, he was bit. like a titan in some random He things. missed the 2011 season because he retired, but then came back in 2012 to play with the Niners. Yeah, his career definitely – he petered out. That's Again, Jerry Rice, that was the longevity, the guy that was was so good for so long. It's impressive. It's like – what we said this earlier, but, like, what were those guys doing differently than the guys do today? Because there's so much focus on the nutrition and, and their the training. health and stuff today, yeah. Like, are they too fit? Like, what's going on? I don't know. Do they not drink enough beer are, between games or something? Guys just aren't putting their bo- – aren't playing through things the way they used to, which, I mean, I respect. You don't want to ruin Yeah, there's so much more money involved. But now. I'll ruin my body for $200 million over the span of a career, but that also, yeah, you know, wasn't exactly happening at that time, so – all right, Tom, what's your next fact? All right, September 4th, 1995. Robin Ventura, perhaps more commonly known for the infamous fight between him and Nolan Ryan, hits two grand slams in one game. He hits one in the fourth inning and then followed up in his next at-bat in the fifth inning by hitting another one. The White Sox <laughs> would go on to route the Rangers 14-3 to that day. Back-to-back innings is just fascinating. I believe there's one other, I know one other player I feel like did that, and I might, I'm pretty confident, Fernando Vina. I think it's, it's or is it Fernando Tatis. Tatis? He hit it in the same inning, I believe. Yes, I would say he two definitely went two Rams slams and back to back at bats. He was playing for the Cardinals, and I believe it was against the Houston Astros. Yeah, I don't know if it was Vina or Tatis, but uh, I'm willing to bet you a dollar it was Fernando Tatis. All right, cool. I'll take that bet. Let's see. You fact checking me? I, yeah, for sure. If, we're, if there's a dollar on the line, now I'm definitely fact checking you. Um, blah blah blah. He was. I'm, I looked up Vina, who's on the. Uh, was on the Mitchell report. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. So, I think I, I would say it was the 1998 to the 98 or 2002 season. Yeah, I think I owe you a dollar. <laughs> no, no, I take cash, you. Venmo, check, whatever you got. I will Venmo you one dollar spread out over 12 payments. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, Fernando Tatis with 113 home runs in his career. Um, wow, so you have 113 in your career and you managed to hit two Grand Slams in one oh. inning? Yeah, here you go. He hit both of his career Grand Slams against Chan Ho Park um, in the same inning. So, yeah, it was Tatis. I knew it was a Fernando. They both played second base. They were what both year was it? stocky. It was 1999. You're off. I yep. said 98. 99. He hit 34 home runs that year of. His 113 in his career, he hit 34-99. And that's because I wonder what he was doing that year. Actually, he's—I don't see a Mitchell report uh, thing stat, stat on his uh, page, so maybe not. Who knows? All right, he's too under the radar, I guess, to be involved. Last but not least, my final fact um, is going to be from September seventh, nineteen eighty-six. Miami Dolphins quarterback Dan Marino threw his one hundredth career touchdown pass, becoming the fastest QB in NFL history to do so at the time. This record would actually go on to last for thirty-four years. And the guy that, guy that broke it is a pretty easy pick. That would be the quarterback that we're going to see slinging the ball tonight and two-time Super Bowl winner Patrick Mahomes. Um, Dan Marino, it took him 44 games to do that in 1986. It took Mahomes only 40 games to get there. Um, so to really put into perspective how impressive Mahomes' feat is, Marino had the record for most touchdown passes through 40 career games with 90. Um, so over the span of the next four games, he threw 10 touchdowns to get two 100, Mahomes had 10 more ga- ten more touchdown passes through his 40th game than uh, Marino did. And at that point, the uh, third most touchdown passes through 40 games was Kurt Warner at 86. 
and the fourth is Matt Stafford at 74. Now, did any of us really see what Patrick Mahomes was going to become? Like, it's not like he was no. a big-time quarterback at, like, an LSU or a USC used to, you know, with Matt Leiner. I don't want to say Mark None Sanchez of those was a, out, though. But you saw, like, the pedigree in college. Yeah. No, like, see, I, I, I mean, remember. from Texas Tech, like, who saw Patrick Mahomes coming? I certainly didn't, but no, Andy Reid did. And I'm confident Andy Reid's the only one that did because I, if I recall correctly, Mahomes was not even a first round pro, like a first round projected first rounder that year. Yeah, and the Chiefs traded up to get him. He was projected to go in like the third round, and the Chiefs traded up from twenty seven to ten to take him. And obviously, Andy Reid knew something, or I think Matt Nagy might have been on staff at the time helping out with that. Yeah, he's back as the offensive coordinator yeah. for the Chiefs this year. So somebody saw something in Mahomes that. Apparently nobody else did, and they look like they, the. I mean, if Andy Reid made that decision himself, he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. And I think well, what on that alone, what ver- um, probably benefited him the most was having Alex Smith there for one year to kind of like learn the offense, see how Alex Smith acts as a professional, oh, yeah. learn from him too, and then year two. NFL at the end of the day is a business. See Alex Smith. It's time for yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith is a number one, another one of those guys who got taken number one overall. Actually yeah, had a Utah. really solid career for himself, but because he had that number one overall stigma hanging over him, he never got like, I think he got kind of poo-pooed because people expected more because he went number one. But he had a great career overall. Really solid. And then obviously coming back for that leg injury. Yeah, that was a un- very unfortunate leg injury. Yeah, Just pretty brutal. gnarly. All right, Tom. Third and final fact. What do you got? Um, September 6, 1995, Cal Ripken Jr. sets the all-time record for most games played in a row by a baseball player. He eclipsed Lou Gehrig's record of 2,130. Ripken went on to play in 2,632 straight games, which equates to about 16-plus seasons without missing one game. Yeah, it's about three full seasons um, beyond what Gehrig did. And that's just unbelievable. I can't even. I have not shut up for work two thousand six hundred thirty-two consecutive times. I mean, we have weekends, but well, even with weekends, I mean, yeah, it's tough. I'm just saying, he showed up for his job every day two thousand six hundred thirty-two times. Hey, when you're playing a game, that's great, but the, the to stay healthy through that is pretty wild. Yeah, I, obviously, he wasn't very healthy. I imagine through yeah, that whole time, definitely play played hurt. Stuff, but some guys don't even play sixteen seasons. Most guys don't play sixteen years in the league. He played. 16 straight seasons. There's very few guys in baseball nowadays that play every game of the season, if right. any. I I want to say I saw something the other day that it's no more than eight people that have played every single game so far this year. And yeah. I want to say two or three are on the Braves with Acuna, Olsen, and maybe Austin Riley. Yeah. Because Albies, I think, was trending in that direction, but recently got hurt. And I forget the other couple, but it's no more than... It's, I want to say, six or seven at the most. Definitely not more than that. That's crazy. I mean, but then it used to be, like, the expectation. If right. you weren't hurt, you were playing. As you should. Yeah, and now the rest days and eh, whatever, load management. But these guys better last 20 years at that rate. But we can go to that another day. All right, so earlier on in the show, we talked about our individual awards outside of the big one, the MVP. I think it's time we talk about, it's technically our conference winners, but it is the Super Bowl matchup. Um Super Bowl winners and MVP. Tom, I'm going to let you lead us off. Let's talk Super Bowl first. Who right. who do you see? What, what Super Bowl do you see happening this year? So, Eagles fans, shut your ears. I do not see the Philadelphia Eagles making it back Boo. to the Super Bowl. Boo. Unfortunately, it's just a very difficult thing to do. It doesn't happen very often to play in the Super Bowl, lose it, 
and then get back there the next year. We saw what happened to the Bengals. Yes, they had a great year two years ago when they lost to the Rams. And then this past season, they had that great year, but lost to, that was the Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Brian? What, against the Bengals lost to the Chiefs, you said? Yeah, this past postseason. So I think, unfortunately, that's going to happen again. I do see a rematch in the NFC Championship game, though, between the 49ers and Eagles. So I do see the 49ers coming out of the NFC. Um, Just a very talented team. I've touched on it before with the offensive weapons they have. Brock Purdy, I'm not going to say he's their best offensive weapon, but he might be the most ideal quarterback for the Kyle Shanahan system. Just needs someone who knows the playbook, knows where the ball should be going, and didn't seem to be turnover prone from his short stint last year in the league. Get rid of the ball quick and put it into just put it into the window. Yeah, let those guys who are very athletic and can make incredible plays in open space get them the ball and watch them run. You have that with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk as your best wideouts, George Kittle patrolling the middle, and then McCaffrey as a dual threat out of the backfield with either catching the ball or running it. And then they really shored up their defensive line, bringing in Javon Hargrave. So overall, I think the 49ers have a very talented roster, just as talented as the Eagles, but I think it's just extremely difficult. The Eagles will have a much more difficult schedule this year because they were had such a good year last year. Yeah, that's. I like the way the NFL does that and creates parity by, you know, if you're the first place in your division, you're playing the other first place teams. But it also leads to some brutal schedules. Like the Eagles and Bills and Chiefs all have pretty ridiculous schedules from being first in their division. Yeah, I mean, just so for the Eagles, they have Washington on the road. Then they come home and face the Cowboys. They go on the road to the Chiefs. They have two straight home games, Bills, Niners. And then they face the Cowboys and Seahawks on the road. So that's just a brutal stretch of yeah seven games. Yeah, one of the WIP guys said earlier that I think there's a lot of people talking about the Eagles being 15 and 2 this year and this and that. I don't see that happen. I don't either and that like he made it the uh, for the same point that I think, I think was, that was uh, John Ritchie. No, it was Joe DeCamera cuz John Ritchie uh, you saying on the 15 win side? Yeah. John Ritchie does want to see 15 win does think 15 wins. Joe DeCamera was more realistic about it because the Eagles play a lot of better quarterbacks this year than they did last year. Yep. Not saying that I'm not discrediting discrediting anything the Eagles did because they were a phenomenal team last year. But they didn't play the toughest competition from a quarterback perspective. So I think they're going to lose more games this year, but I still think that they're going to win their division. And that actually leads me to my Super Bowl pick. And this is about as homer as it can get. But I also truly believe this. Well, who do you got in the NFC first? Then we'll touch on the AFC. So the NFC... Oh, because you didn't touch your AFC. Yeah, I didn't go up to AFC. So Eagles fans plugged their ears for years. Eagles fans are going to sing my name in the streets because I do think the Eagles are going to get back this year. I'm not impressed by anybody in the NFC outside of the Eagles and Niners who you pick. So I think your pick is very valid. I don't think Brock Purdy has enough to get him over the line. He's going to be good for their offense, but I think that when it comes down to it, I think the Eagles are going to be the higher seed coming out of the playoffs. So I think when these two do match up or coming into the playoffs, so I think when these two do two do inevitably inevitably match up it's going to be in philly at the link in my mind and i don't think that the Niners are coming in here winning a playoff game in philadelphia no i don't either but the reason i had the Niners and going on i think they will end up being the higher seed this year because of that tough schedule for the eagles that's fair but the niners also do have a tough schedule being a number one seeded schedule them a number one seed themselves or number one at least in their division um, so I think they're both in for a tough go of things, but yeah, the 
I just think their division is a little bit weaker than what Philadelphia will do. Oh, for I sure. Think that's where they could potentially have that one game, two that's game. That's fair. Well, because the Eagles not only is the NFC East always a bloodbath, but they got they have the AFC East this year, and the AFC East is going to be a bloodbath in itself. Yeah, Both East divisions are going to be tough. They have to travel up to New York to face the Jets, and then they have the Dolphins at home and the Bills at home, and then start week one in New England. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, very curious. So, Tom, on the AFC side for the Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, I'm going to go with a bit of a sleeper here. Dark horse pick. I'm going to take the Chargers. Definitely a sleeper pick. I think with the addition of Kellen Moore, that's really going to open up the offense for the Chargers out there in L.A. Um, Justin Herbert, I think, just takes off and potentially could win MVP. They brought in Quentin Johnson, like we touched on earlier. Another great weapon for him to throw the ball to. Behind Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you got Gerald Everett out at tight end. Austin Eckler has been great out of the backfield. And then you have Bosa on the defensive side of the ball. And some just... Cleo Mack is the only bookend in that situation. So I was thinking that. I knew they acquired him a couple years ago. I wasn't sure if he was still there, but thank you for that. When you put it into perspective like that, though, and like all the weapons and Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert, it's Herbert's, what, third year now, fourth year? It is his. Let's let's see. I, I want to say third, if not fourth. Yeah, that would make sense. Let's see, Justin Herbert. Let's see where he at. But either way, you make a good point. But I think he's he's due for a leap. He had a bit of a he had some regression last year, but I think that was to be expected due to injury a little bit too. Yeah. I so I think with uh, Kellen Moore led offense, we've seen what the Cowboys offense has looked like over the past few years. Yeah, it'll be um, his fourth year in the season, actually. At Oregon. Right, yeah, so, like, I think he's, I mean, like we talked about earlier, he's, he, we both took him in our fantasy leagues because I think he's just primed for a big year. Um, a lot of good talent on that team. I think the Chargers are very, very, uh, they're a valid pick, but they're definitely a sleeper just because the AFC is so heavy in talent. Yeah, and they have to battle with the Chiefs. There's the Bengals, the Bills, the Jaguars. I mean, in their own division, we'll see what Russell Wilson does, if he can bounce back at all. With Would Sean you put Payne the Jaguars over, like, the Ravens or the Steelers even at this point right now? I would say the Steelers, yes. Um, Interesting. Okay. I, I bet you they're probably pretty even, in my at least record-wise, at the end of the year. I just think Trevor Lawrence is a much better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. Oh, I 1,000% agree with that. So, with that said, I will value Trevor Lawrence leading <laughs> the Jaguars past the Steelers. Yeah. Um, That's fair. In the AFC, I don't know who else. I mean, I think the Ravens, yeah, probably are ahead of the Jaguars. Not going to put the I don't see the them. Browns there. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the Jets maybe. Who I knows? think the Jets are such a wild card this year that they could either be amazing or awful. Like I don't know if there's much going to be a too much in between for them, but they who knows. Yeah, and I picked the Dolphins too to you know win the AFC East. So you did. If Tua can stay healthy, watch out for them with how much talent they have on yeah. that side of the Which side is of the funny ball. you say that, and this goes to my AFC pick where I don't. I really, 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 even in their past few good years, I have never once said, hey, this is the year that the Bills are going to win it because it doesn't pan out. But I did go with the home my hometown pick. I think that if there's a year that the Bills are going to win a Super Bowl, I think they can do it this year because the pressure is off. And when I say that, it's because people are not expecting a lot as much out of them as they have in the past couple of years. And in my experience, in my opinion, at least when Josh Allen is on this team, 
when you doubt them and when you make them the underdog, that's when this team really thrives and comes together. You get a healthy Von Miller back, that defense is to- that defense changes entirely when he went out last year because he takes that much attention off the rest of the line. Um, they're almost flying under the radar. They are, which, which is, is tough to say given how talented they've been. The best, but the thing is, well the, they've done now. The now the spotlight has been on the Chiefs. Now I think the Bengals have leapfrogged them. They're even getting doubted in their own division because of the Jets and the Dolphins. They didn't make they haven't they didn't make splashy moves like the other teams did. There was no the splashiest move they made this offseason was Dalton Kincaid or Damian Harris. Those aren't splashy moves. They're not flashy. They're not headline making moves. But I think they're great moves for the team. Damian Harris gives them a power back in um in short yardage position, which they haven't had. Dalton Kincaid sounds like he's just gonna be a big, smooth route runner with great hands. I don't think the Bills are gonna come out here and be fourteen and three. I think there's a very good chance they do a solid ten and five, ten and seven, eleven and six. But I think that now they've had a few years of playoff experience together. The core of this team has been together. I think this is a and they're being doubted. They're being undervalued. They're being underrated. I think that that's when they get dangerous and that's when they come out here and make some noise. So I'm picking the Bills. Um I think I didn't want to pick the Chiefs. Uh, my opinion of the Bengals changed pretty significantly after their playoff game against the Bills and the way a lot of those guys handled themselves on the field. Um, obviously, the DeMar Hamlin situation happened against Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Yeah, they didn't seem to be a bunch of happy campers over there in Cincinnati. No, some of those guys were real pricks about the whole thing. Um, so that kind of a lot of those guys fell out of favor, in my personal opinion. So I'm going with the Bills. Um, so Eagles, Bills, Super Bowl matchup. And of course, in that instance, I do got to pick the Bills as my Super Bowl winner. If they see, I think if they see the Eagles in, a, in a, the Super Bowl, I have obviously I'm rooting for them a thousand percent. But I think it would be a very good game. I think the Eagles might be more talented, to be honest, or like across the, the board. But I just think that you give them the Bills a chance to get there and get over the hump. I think that they they do it, especially if they play with a chip on their shoulder all year. Like I think they're going to. So. I would love to see my guys do it. Obviously, every year I would, but I don't think I've ever outright come out and said to anyone that I want to, that they're going to win the Super Bowl. But in this current matchup, this current situation, that's where I'm leaning, and uh, I'm very hopeful. You know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened in my thirty years of life. It doesn't happen this year. And I got hopefully at least a few more to watch them let me down again. Yeah, what's a better time than now for your Bills, right, Brian? It's always now. It's always got to be now because you can't. <laughs> unlike some uh franchises uh cowboys steelers uh even pages at this point i don't live in the past can't live in the past yeah, at least you're not a cowboys fan like that yeah no the cowboys fans are the worst uh <laughs> something we can both agree on so tom out of the niners and chargers who do you think is going to bring home the hardware i'm going to give it to the 49ers i think they finally get it done um it's just been been a long road coming for them they've lost the chiefs in the super bowl a couple years ago Obviously, we're very disappointed with how things went in the NFC title game last year with more or less having to put Brock Purdy out there just to hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey after their backup quarterback got hurt. So, I mean, they seem to be whining just as much as some of those Bengals players did after losing because of their quarterback. Not a quarterback. Well, that's that's uh, that's your fault. That's poor roster management. Well, it's poor roster management, one thing, and then the other is like, you shouldn't be scheming up a backup tight end to be blocking Hassan Reddick coming down off the edge. Bad things are going to happen. He's one of the best pass rushers in the game on the outside like <laughs> yeah. that. Shouldn't be allowing your seventh-round uh, rookie quarterback to be getting teed off on. 
Yeah, like, what do you expect to happen? And then... Probably the, arguably the best pass rush in general in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you have him, you have the Boses who... What, Joey just got paid, or was it Nick? I, I always mix up the uh, two. Whoever's on the Niners, he just really just got paid. Yeah, I, don't, I believe that would be Nick. Either way, they've both gotten paid very well between the two of them. Some like 200 some million dollars, which is good for yeah, them. Yeah, he's the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'll take a couple dollars from there, but who am I to say anything? I'll regress from that, and we'll just stick with the 49ers. I think they... They just get it done this year. It's a very talented roster. Kyle Shanahan seems like an offensive genius. I feel like that's something like Sean McVay wishes he could be like. That's what everyone thought Sean McVay was. Right, and Kyle Shanahan, yes, he blew that 28-23, right? When he was with the Falcons, the offensive coordinator, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just kept throwing the ball instead of running it. Yep. So hopefully he's learned from that. I mean, it seems like he has. He still puts out a great offense every year. He schemes up great stuff each and every season. So... I think the 49ers will just have more firepower on offense to get it done over the Chargers. I would expect a higher scoring game there, but yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll surprise us and be like a 17-10, but that would be an anomaly in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I think I, I'm I'm with you there. I think if they were to do that, I, I don't know if I agree with the high scoring game because they're both pretty solid defenses, um, but I think it would be a very good game. Pretty evenly contested. Yeah, in like a 28-24 or something The way like those that. offenses will operate. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Bill's Eagles would be a slob, slobber knocker. Um, I'd be pretty devastated if they were to lose that matchup. And I'm not sure I actually like want to see that long term just for living in the Philly area and being a lifelong Bills fan. But I think it would make for a great game, great football. And I would love to see the Bills come out of it. And that leads to our last pick, which is MVP. In my personal opinion, if the Bills were to get into the Super Bowl and win it, I don't think there's any doubt that Josh Allen would be the MVP. He is very clearly the most valuable player for the Bills. If you put any other quarterback, any of their backups in there, they are not even a 500 team right now. <laughs> um, the man is a game changer, and I I think if they win the Super Bowl, it's a no-brainer. I'm not sure if that even gets taken into account for MVP. That might get no, it's a regular that. season award. But either way, if he comes in, if they come in to a position in a high high seat in the AFC and he has a great year, which I do think he's destined, I think he's bound to do. Uh, he's got more weapons than he's ever had um, from a passing perspective. Um, I think Deontay Hardy and Dalton Kincaid are going to be very interesting ways to help mix up this offense a bit. James Cook being the lead back is going to be very intriguing as well. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulders. Well, Josh Allen really cares about winning, winning. And he wants to, he said numerous times how all he wants is to bring, he wants to retire in Buffalo and bring a Super Bowl here. And I think he's going to do whatever it takes to, to get there. Whether it's this year, next year, or, you know, five years on the road, that's great. But I just have a good feeling about him this year. He seems comfortable and calm through training camp. And he seems, you know, everything seems to be all right. So I think if the Bills are, it's the season they win the Super Bowl, I think he grabs MVP as well. And that uh, definitely, I mean, the Madden curse officially was broken, I think, by Mahomes because he won the Super Bowl, <laughs> won the Super Bowl the year that they uh, he was on the cover, or at least MVP. Um, but I think Josh might do it too since he's this year's cover athlete. Well, good luck to Josh. I hope for your own sanity, Brian, that that does happen and the Bills do come out with a Super Bowl victory this year. Well, even if they don't, it's nothing new, so I'm not going to be that broken up. But I think... Uh, I guess just another day in the life of Brian then, right? Yeah, of, of every Bills fan, you know. We've all we've all lived through it, so, um, you know, it is what it is. But they're, uh, they at least make it interesting these days. So my MVP pick... Not trying to be a homer here, but I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. It's also a very valid pick. 
So, 2021, his first full year in the league, has a 61% completion percentage. Last year, in his second year, bumps it up to 66.5. So, I'm not expecting another 5% increase on his completion percentage, but say he gets another 2, 3-point increase on the completion percentage, get closer to 70, threw for 3,700 yards last year, gets another year in the offense, gets another year of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, hopefully they can all stay healthy. Then you add in DeAndre Swift, who can be very versatile out of the backfield. Rashad Penny, Kenneth Gainwell, and that offensive line that's just great. Add in the fact that Jalen Hurts has those great legs and that running ability. Real thick thighs. Yeah, and they (laughs) sure does. Apparently he can squat a lot of weight. Like 600 pounds, I heard. Yeah, impressive for such... He's what, 5'10", maybe? Jason Kelsey yeah, Jason Kelsey said even he's not squatting 600 pounds. Well, Jason Kelsey's not the biggest guy, but still, you're an offensive lineman. Yeah, you think you'd be doing more than your quarterback. I mean, Jalen's yeah. listed here on pro football reference at 6'1". Jalen's also a very intelligent quarterback, and I think if he gets to the point where he, like... You know, you've seen the videos of Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers like looking at a defense and be like, all right, I'll see it. I know you're coming. Just come on. Like, if he can get to the point where he just is so instinctively reading those defenses and knows what's happening, this guy's the limit because he's already been a phenomenal quarterback. He's going to be the Eagles start. He should be the Eagles starter for 10 years. And he's going to be working with Brian Johnson, the guy who um, he's known since he was younger, I think, going back to, like, high school. Granted, Brian Johnson was, like, an offensive coordinator at Florida for a couple years but has now joined the Eagles coaching staff the past two years and will now – be the offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator after Shane Steichen was poached by the Colts and is now their head coach. Um, so that familiarity, I think, will be great. Just another year in the offense should lead to better results. Last year, through 22 touchdowns to six interceptions. So I think it's just he if he gets past 30 touchdowns this year, keeps that interception below 10, passes for over 4,000 yards, and with the scrambling ability, he adds in another 5 to 10 touchdowns maybe with his feet. I can see him winning that MVP last year. He was second, and I think the only reason he didn't win it was because he got hurt in that Bears game and missed a game or two. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens. I ble- I heard somewhere or read somewhere that I believe this is the first time in NFL history that a Super Bowl champion has gone into the next season without either of their coordinators from the previous year. So so they wouldn't be the Super Bowl champion. Just well, Super Bowl, Super, Super Bowl, Bowl participant. Okay participant yeah i mean that um, would make sense because jonathan gannon yeah yeah is that now in arizona I, I can't wait to watch that freaking f- explode in his face yeah it's interesting what they'll do out there that's another topic for another hey, day well, but we I can definitely dive into that down get, the road i think kyler murray might be seeing his way out of town and caleb williams might be the new quarterback there soon although that'll be an interesting story to watch because caleb williams father came out and said yeah he doesn't need to leave school if he doesn't want to yeah, I guess if you so, know that the Cardinals have the first pick and you're the top-rated quarterback. Who knows? It's been a while since we've seen a uh, Eli Manning or a, you know Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf, uh, John Elway type situation. So, well, hey. I guess Elway and Manning. I don't know. Manning and Leaf didn't. Uh, yeah, I'm here for it. Let's see. I won't drama. play for you, but yeah, some drama. Uh, Especially when don't these guys me. in college are getting paid now with that NIL. Yeah, they don't like, need you anymore. I don't need to come out now if I don't want to go play for that team. Yeah, you can go breeze through the USC if you want, but that's another story for another day. All right, Brian, before we get out of here, though, I yes, know sir. we've talked about fantasy a couple times throughout this year. Sure. Um, one question I want to hit you with. You mentioned you're in four leagues. Uh, yeah. Is there one person you were, like, targeting all of your drafts that you were like, I need to have him because I think they're going to have a great year? Um, or do you, I would say no. 
but largely it was more so because of the situation I found myself in in most of my drafts. For drafts, I had the first overall pick in two, which I hate. I, I stuff to say I really pick. want Justin Jefferson when he's arguably the best receiver. Everyone, in the everybody would be happy with that. I honestly thought about I almost thought about taking McCaffrey over him, but I thought just it would, to change it up. But I thought that would have bit me, so I went with with Jefferson. So it's been hard because you know the next time your your second pick comes around, I'm in twelve. They're twelve team. Of course, the two number one picks have been in twelve team leagues. Yeah, the talent level definitely drops off at that point. So when it comes back around, it's gone. Um, so no, honestly. There's not really anybody I truly was targeting. I honestly probably did the least amount of preparation for my fantasy leagues this year than I have in the past, than any year in the past. Um, but I, I can't say there was any one guy that stuck out. I mean, Herbert was kind of, I would say, might be the big one because I kind of targeted him. Yeah, I have two shares of him in the three leagues. I mean. Yeah, he was kind of in like the middle of the pack in terms of like, you know, you had Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts off the board. Burrow kind of seemed Burrow and Lamar and Justin Fields kind of dropped in there next. And then Herbert kind of hung out there. And I felt he was very good value for where he was dropping into drafts. Yeah, me too. I got him in the sixth round in the two leagues I have him. Yeah, I got him in seven in the one league. So I was pretty pleased with that. Yeah, I read the board. I was like, well, I can see that this person has quarterbacks. This person does. I'm like, well, I can now take a running back here and wide receiver instead. I was like, all right, well, Well, and it was down to like Fields, Herbert, and Trevor Lawrence were all available. So I was like, all right, well, if one of them falls to me, I'm happy with it. Let me load up on another position player Yeah, and end up getting Herbert in both drafts. My league that drafted last night, there's 12 teams in that league. By the end of the draft, nine of those 12 teams had drafted a second quarterback. There was one team that had a second kicker. Love that. No, it's just playing fantasy sports with stupid people. I mean, love that for you as a player. I know, but, you know, just out of, like... Maybe it was peer pressure and not wanting to run into a situation where maybe Herbert is down and all the quarterbacks were sitting on rosters, I did draw Deuce Vaughn, who was my last pick, and I picked up Jordan Love just to stash him for now. Makes sense to um, me. But that was peer pressure. I try not to succumb to that, but I did. Tom, who's your, who's the guy you were targeting? I think you asked that question. I feel like you probably have a good answer. Um, I mean, the one this is like real deep sleeper who I, I'm pretty sure I have him on two of my leagues as well as Sky Moore with the Chiefs. Yeah. I can see him becoming a breakout candidate because he's – who else is the opportunity throw yeah, the ball to? The opportunity is there, and you have Mahomes throwing you the ball. It's not a bad pick, not a bad option at all. And now he'll he'll know the offense better. He wasn't really used a whole lot throughout the beginning of the season in Kansas City last year, and then he came up, showed up later in the year. Yeah, had a decent Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had a touchdown in the game too. Yeah, I took him last year as a flyer. Yeah, so I have a flyer status on him, but then I also like, and I've mentioned him before, Justin Herbert, because of what. Callum Moore is going to provide to that offense. We saw what he did with Dak Prescott. And then I believe Herbert is a much better quarterback than Prescott. I believe his upside is much better. He was kind of my target for quarterbacks. It's just part of my fantasy strategy. Is I I try not to shoot for the top ones just because I feel like I can get different value there. Um, I did draft draft Josh in like the third or fourth round in the one league. Just just a I want you know why not? I just I'm in four leagues. I figured it'd be fun to have him in one. Yeah, what do you have to lose? Uh, Fifty bucks. That's fine. <laughs> Which you know whatever. You'll get paid tomorrow. Um, yeah, you're right actually. Um, yeah. So I mean, in the end, Herbert was probably the one I was watching the most. I ended up with Daniel Jones in another league because I waited a long time to get there. Um, but overall. You know, we'll see what happens. I don't I don't put enough time or I don't put the time and effort into fantasy that I used to. Um, but I still I love it. I love doing it. Yeah, but I do too. It's tough as we get older though. 
It is. You know, I got different priorities and stuff now, but like running a podcast and yeah, the fun stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I still love doing it, but I just don't like do the research and make my own lists and sleepers and blah, blah, blah. I'll go off your rankings and we'll stream guys and it works out. I got a few, I got quite a few trophies in my trophy case from my fantasy football career. So I'm not. All yeah, you worried. and me both. It's fun, fun to do. No. I love it. We'll we'll check in on that as the season goes on. I think we've been keeping these people long enough, Tom. Yeah, sounds good. Guys, <laughs> so thank you once again for checking us out. Please do follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Going Back Pod. And uh, as usual, it's a blast to be here with you. Can't wait to talk to you next week about the first week of the NFL season. Some fun, more some more fun history stories. Probably and we'll be approaching the playoff baseball. We sure will, and you know how we feel about that. Tom and I had a great time at the Phillies game last week. That was last week. Two weeks ago now. Two weeks ago. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, time moves fast. Time moves by so fast. I can't do it anymore. But we appreciate you checking us out for yet another week. Like us, follow us, tell your mom about us, at Going Back Pod. Yeah, interact you. with us on social media, too. Yeah, dude, we're cool. We don't bite. And if you're listening to this, odds are you might have my phone number. So just shoot me a text if you want to talk about it. <laughs> All right, Tom, you got anything for us before we head out tonight? Yeah, speaking of shooting a text or interacting with us on social media, name the movie that this quote's from, Aim for the Bushes. Aim for the Bushes? Are you actually asking me to name this? Because If you know it, go for it. If not, we can wrap it up and call tonight. It feels like a happy Gilmore quote, but I do not know. I won't give it out on air. I'll tell you all. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. Peace.